theory or practice, it's a constant battle when you're teaching. I'm Dr. Joy Patterson, the Director of Educator Preparation at Governor State University and the College of Education. And I'm Dr. Amy Viaquia, Governor State University Assistant Professor of English Teacher Education. In teaching and learning, theory versus practice, Dr. Joy and I will duke it out over whether theory or practice wins the match. Yeah, I can't wait. So whether you're a teacher, an education leader, or looking to learn more about the field, you can hear from industry experts on education topics. We invite you to be the judge as we box it out. Stick around to find out who wins this week's match. Good morning, Dr. Amy. Good morning, Dr. Joy. How are you today? I'm good. Excited about our conversation today. So I have a question for you. If you can recall <laughs> what your college experience was like and did you feel connected? Did you have good advising? Did you have a social presence? I, you know, I went to a large public university. And as far as advising, I don't remember my advisor. That seems like a strange thing to say. I had a very specific plan. I graduated with an English degree and I was offered different choices of classes, take this or take this. And we checked boxes and that was really it. And connections to other things on campus, sure, I could seek things out, but I don't remember anyone really inviting me to do anything or to be involved in a, in a specific activity or club. I did mentoring. I was in an English society but really, as far as connections, wow, that's a good, made me think a little bit there. Do you have any college friends that you still stay in contact with? I stay in contact with my high school friends and my doctoral friends from grad school and my teaching graduate school friends, but my undergraduate, no. Yeah, neither do I. And I stay in contact with my high school friend. I mean, I told you before, I started at a community college. So going to school for me was not about really having a college experience. And that's probably the same for a lot of people to go to a community college. Most of my friends went to a four-year university and many of them went to Ivy League schools. So I found myself at this community college because it was the most fiscally responsible thing to do. That sounds good. Actually, I was just broke, okay? Because my parents didn't <laughs> plan. But my first two years that I went to school, you know, I worked. I had my normal responsibilities when I went home because I was going home every day. It felt to me more like a boring version of high school. Once I received my associate's degree, I got married. So I got married very young. And then I moved to Texas and I finished my last three years. And you hear that three years because I lost so many credits because everything didn't transfer. And then I went to a very large university. But as a married person, I was still not 
involved in campus activities because, okay, you got to go home and do your wifely duties, right? For me, I think the lack of involvement of activities also impacted how well I did academically. For me, I think it impacts your motivation. And my motivation was to complete so that I can move on to the next step in my life. My motivation was not, oh, I can't wait until tomorrow to go to school because my friends are going to be there, the club things and all of those things. So that was not my experience. But I do think that there is a direct correlation between feeling a sense of belonging and your academic performance. Well, and research shows that too, that the more connected you are, whether it's a student group, religious community, an academic honor society, you will do better because of that encouragement that you can have. That sense of belonging is important. Right. And I pushed my children so they had a very different experience when they went to college. And I made sure that they really had a social presence and it really paid off because they actually do have their friends from college. They have those connections. You know, we talked about currency before and having that connectedness is one of those currencies that help you catapult to the next level. It helps you become successful. That is an essential piece that I wanted to communicate to my daughter. She will be starting her master's program in English at GSU. And I said, make connections. Be involved with everything you can possibly be involved in because the connections are so important. We're going to talk to someone today who is all about building connections and programs that help students have a sense of belonging. Dr. Robert Clay has worked as executive director of the newly branded Center for Student Engagement and Intercultural Programs. It was formerly called Student Life. Dr. Clay oversees programs and projects beyond the classroom that range from fun to serious. All of it is designed to help students excel. And Dr. Clay was a natural fit because he was a first-generation college student who had grown up on Chicago's West Side. He attended Lane Tech High School. He won a music scholarship to Olivet College in Michigan. But also he's experienced GSU from the student perspective. In 2019, he earned his Doctor of Education in Interdisciplinary Leadership. What drew him to GSU was a mix of the past and the future. And I'm hoping he'll talk to us more about what he envisions for a school of cultural learning that GSU can be. And he has been with GSU since 2014. So welcome to our show, Dr. Clay. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I want to represent as a long with my GSU sweatshirt. You know, I'm (laughs) such a proud Jaguar. Good. You're representing. And since (laughs) since you're from GSU, you're going to be Dr. Robert today. Dr. Amy, Dr. Joy, and Dr. Robert. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to adopt you into the show today. Dr. Amy and I, we were just discussing our college experience and we were talking about advising, engagement, and how both of us, for the both of us, we did not have a lot of engagement when we were in college, especially me. You know, I started at a two-year university at a community college and it was about 
going to school, going home, and keeping up with your other activities. And then I went to a large university, but still not really engaged in anything outside of my courses. And that was kind of the same for both Amy and I. Actually, we don't even have any college friends that we, (laughs) which I think is the real barometer (laughs) of how engaged you are. So Mm -hmm. question for you, how important is student engagement in the success for college students? Well, for starters, thanks again for the opportunity to be a part of this podcast. I'm so excited to join you all in this conversation. Student engagement is very important in success for college students. It is known that students who participate in co-curricular activities do well. They're retained at a higher rate and also graduate at a higher rate. And for me in particular, going to college, coming from a large, massive high school such as Lane Tech with 5,000 students, to coming to an institution like Olivet Private Liberal Arts Institution, it was quite the experience being actively involved in things such as the core music program, which provided me a music scholarship to go to college. A lot of people don't know that. Actually, you're one of the first group of people that know that information at GSU. So I'm open to sharing more about that. Being in the core music program, also being involved in mentoring efforts, working in the campus library, as well as the campus cafeteria, allow me to meet folks, but then being involved in organizations such as the Black Student Union, being a part of fraternity, Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, being a part of different organizations, societies developed to help sell intensity of Black men being successful in college beyond, such as the Alpha Phi Kappa Society. Also just being a part of different things such as Diversity Council, the Campus Activities Board, so on and so forth, really shaped who I was and what I did. The engagement piece provided me an opportunity to travel the world. I was able to go to different countries. I was able to attend many conferences, meet a lot of dignitaries like Dick Gregory, Amiri Baraka, and so many other folks during my time in college, which actually led me to being involved in going to a career in student affairs. When I was at college, I was a business major, focused on marketing advertising, had hopes to become this great advertising agency, being a part of those things. And so what happened, I went to the fifth interview, didn't work out for me. I was so depressed and sad about it. And my mentor said, Robert, you're missing your calling, going to student affairs, going to higher education. And I thought about it, applied to grad school on a fluke and said, if I get in, I get in, I get in, the rest is history. And I'm here today before you. So um, engagement really plays a part in developing relationships, lifelong friendships, also mentorship, as well as just being able to be a proud alum of your um, um, university. I think when you're connected on the undergraduate level of different things through clubs and organization, it really makes you be a proud alumni and really helps you really want to contribute and give back and really play a role in supporting the students who are coming after you. Yeah, well, your experience was totally opposite <laughs> than our experience, <laughs> which is why you're perfect for this role. And everything that you said are the things that Amy and I learned, and that's what we told our children so that they would have this meaningful college experience like you did. I mean, you're definitely the best fit for this job. (laughs) No, thank you so much. Thank you so much. With all of the clubs and the organizations and the opportunities for mentorship, but then also class and the academic piece of this, looks like we were on the opposite extremes. Joy and I perhaps didn't have enough stimuli to keep us engaged or to wallflowers. Yeah, I I was an RA, so I'm an RA group of friends. Oh, you're you're there. You're RA. Good stuff. 
there I am. A full mile right here as well. <laughs> yes, and my daughter as well. We're in good company. We do hear this idea of how much stimuli is enough, too little, too much. What is a good balance? What's a good engagement versus bad engagement? And how do we strike that balance at GSU? Sure. I believe that because we want our students to succeed at Governor State University, we provide them with such an array of opportunities to be engaged, whether it's through my area, Center for Student Engagement and Cultural Programs, through the Center for Junior Year, to the Graduate Studies Department, to different clubs and organizations, to different research opportunities, faculty, to different civic engagement opportunities by doing service learning in the community, things of that sort. They have so many options. And so I believe the best way to create that balance is for students to have a mentor or an advisor who's able to work with them to help them align these co-curricular engagement opportunities with their career path or within their major. So it's a win-win. They're not wasting their time just doing things just because, but they're doing things intentionally and with purpose. I also believe that students also need to recognize who they are and their ability to engage. I think the balancing factor is different for somebody who's a residential student in Prairie Place versus someone who's commuting all the way from the east side of Chicago because of time constraints and obligations to family and things of that sort. So I believe a couple of things that students can do for balance. One, review their schedule. I think it's important for students to recognize based upon how many credits they're taking, speaks to how many opportunities they can engage with time on their hand. Also, even if they're working as a student on campus through rope study or outside of campus, understand their obligation to make sure they have the financial ability to remain in college, but also have their needs met to ensure they can enjoy their experiences by getting the latest clothes, the hottest music, things that nature, travel, see their friends, spring break, of course, to ensure they're able to make those connections. I also think students can find balance in making sure they're doing things that really uh, speak to their curiosity, not overwhelming themselves and things that kind of allow them to do things outside of the box in, in regards to their character. I was actually a social butterfly in college, but in high school, elementary school, I was quiet. I was very introverted, actually. My parents even thought I was a mute growing up and didn't think I had friends because I didn't talk much. I was just a scholar. I was just, I was a nerd. I was very smart, intelligent. And so when I got to college, my roommate, actually, roommates, I had three, actually, really are the ones who to really expand my reach in regards to trying new things, but also making sure that I had some balance of what I wanted to do. But then also from the academic piece that helped me was my advisor made sure that we had a four-year plan and mapped out all of our courses and lift room for flexibility if things change, we desire to do something different. And ensuring that we were able to match one thing to what we want to do outside of classroom to what we're doing in the classroom to make sure there was some balance. So I think some of those things could help our students as you should maintain that balance as well. Right. Well, thanks to your friends for opening Pandora's box. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you are really live and in color. We love you. So Dr. Amy, I don't know if you know, but Dr. Robert is my go-to person. He is my <laughs> person whenever I have students, especially males, who I think just need that type of motivation and inspiration. And I can think of several males, especially some of the African-American males in my class. Uh, this last one was very introverted and he did not want to be in school. Very, very intelligent. He was doing a lot of trading and stocks and bonds at age 18. So he made a promise to his parents. He had to bet with his parents. Okay, I will do one semester 
He said, because I think I can make a lot more money mm-hmm. and not go to college. And <laughs> I will give you one semester, that's it, and then make a decision. And his parents said, okay, you have to do at least one semester before we make a decision. I got him over to Robert. And at the end of the semester, after the semester ended, I received an email from his mother saying, thank you. Thank you. So whatever you all did, thank you. Because we were able to get him involved in things he was interested in. Absolutely. Because he didn't think that anybody else was interested in any of the things that he was doing and that there could be a benefit mm-hmm. of all the things that he has. So I think it's important. I think faculty play a huge role in helping identify some of those students who are more introverted or those students like me who go to school and then go home and don't mm-hmm. get involved. And I think faculty can really, re- really be instrumental in reaching out and saying, hey, why don't you stay back and do this? Hey, I have this club. Why don't you do this? Oh, you would be great for this. Let me introduce you to this person come to this we see it first right absolutely so i think faculty is very very instrumental in making those connections but you are definitely my my go-to person for any of the students that are are struggling mm-hmm. i think it's it, it's been it's been critical to ensure that faculty are able to have those resources available to them such as folks like me and others across campus I think one of the challenges we face is that we have to continue inform faculty of what we're doing and making sure information is readily available for them to know the resources on campus. Because I know sometimes after the faculty orientation, that first year they're here on campus, there's no reintegration of knowing everything that's happening on campus as well. And so I've been intentional in trying to make sure faculty know exactly what my area is doing and resources we have to offer Although email is the only way of communication, you know, we do it a lot at Governor State University, but sometimes you got to make those personal connections to the deans and division chairs and faculty, you know, in different departments to let them know the resource we do have on campus and always making sure that faculty are engaged in our programs. History of education, faculty were the first folks, they were the first deans taking care of the men and taking care of the women. They were always engaged in the process and we expand to the student affairs division within higher education. And so I love it when we have faculty who serve as our advisors to our multiple clubs and organizations because they have a different level of information or heightened intentionality in regard to student success and making sure that students are connected to the campus, but also making sure those students succeed outside the classroom as well. I also believe that faculty can also continue to support by just making opportunities available to students and also sharing on their end what we can do to support them in the classroom. We had a great project here years ago at Governor State from the American Association of College University focused on equity mindedness. And that was an opportunity for us to work with faculty to talk about how to use high impact practices to support students and making sure we understand or faculty understand how to engage with them in the classroom from through different means from the art of storytelling, sharing your stories, connect the students to build those relationships to things regarding pedagogy and curriculum to really reframe it to ensure that it's a match in different learning styles of the students, but also the outcomes of how we hope to get. I appreciate and value the issue for that, for taking those efforts to ensure that we're being intentional about our students' success, both in and out of classroom. How can faculty and staff connect in more meaningful ways if they're just not sure what to do? What would you advise? 
Well, I think one to be, be upon entry into the university, to be a part of the orientations that take place, I believe that still happens, but make it continuous. Um, I also believe that we've been more intentional in reaching out to faculty service advisors, different clubs and organizations. Some clubs and organizations parallel to certain departments or majors and things of that nature. And so we want to make sure that there are faculty who have the breadth of knowledge to advise these student groups and work with them to help them more, learn more about that particular area. Other ways faculty can connect really simply faculty and staff is the cafeteria. It is a center place. Everybody loves to eat. And we got this beautiful, now if you haven't seen the new one, it's gorgeous. It's, it's state of the art. It's amazing. And that space creates the opportunity to connect. People love food and they love to talk over food. And so by faculty being present in the cafeteria, that allows them opportunity to meet new students and make those initial connections. I also believe that faculty and staff by attending different programs that take place on campus. The issue is, is open all, all day and there are programs happening from the time we open the doors to the time we close. And so I think attending different events that are taking place on campus really helps, again, increase the visibility of faculty and staff and make those connections with students. Another piece I would think that faculty staff connect with students is just participating in different events in the residence hall. Prairie Place have faculty and residents, but they also have different programs that take place from the RAs to one floor events to just general spaces in their, in their great room. And I think that's a great opportunity for faculty and staff to connect with students also. And lastly, what I would say is really just finding ways to, again, share their stories in the classroom. I think there's a richness in the story. I'm sure some folks will learn more about me through my story today and build those initial connections and find common threads and things that make us more relatable and, and have understanding who we are. Because I think we're all more similar than we are different, but it's just initially having those conversations to uh, connect and, and build from there. I didn't think that today would turn into like a guide for faculty, but that was, <laughs> I mean, we really have to get this information to all of our faculty, because I think what you're saying, you're really speaking truth. When we talk about faculty, you have that first contact with students and you get to see those students who may be struggling academically, maybe struggling socially, uh, those students that leave right after school and don't have those connections. So mm -hmm. thank you for saying all the things that you're saying. And and I try to do that as much as possible. You, you know, I love attending basketball games. I don't know necessarily know all of what they're doing, <laughs> but I think it makes a difference when students in your classroom see you mm -hmm. and they make a point. They make a point out of recognizing you. And yes, they do. so it really, motivates them. So I think it's really important. I do think it's a nice meeting place if faculty go to the cafeteria. And I just I, I just love to capture students and, and give them challenges. Every semester, I select at least two students to be a peer mentor. And I tell them like midway through the course that, you know, I think you would be a peer mentor and you can see <laughs> for the mm -hmm. next half of that course, how mm -hmm. they really rise to the mm -hmm. occasion. So what do you do? What are some of the things that you do? So I have these mails and I send them to you. Mm -hmm. And I say that they're not really flourishing because they're not interacting with their peers, very reserved. What is it that you do with these mails to help transform them? First things first, I ask them, do they want to be here? I think it's important that there has some common ground understanding of why are you here and what do you hope to accomplish? Once we have those initial conversations, learn about their background, their future aspirations, 
then um, through the Male Success Initiative, because it's not me as an entity, but the program at large, through the faculty staff that work with the organization, the program, as well as the resources provided, we find things and efforts that align with what they want to do. For example, there was conversation, the young man you're talking about, want to talk about stocks, funds, financial things. So we created a workshop on financial literacy. Amazing. It worked and it opened the eyes to other students who didn't know anything about that at all. And so also providing those social opportunities to talk about things that men need to talk about amongst men conversations. And it's great because they feel their opportunity to be vulnerable and transparent about the experience and also create resolve. Also encourage uh, participants to go to the counseling center, participate in, in a med med meditation programs on campus uh, to, to deal with personal trauma, life experiences, anxiety, stress, girlfriend, boyfriend problems, you name it, whatever, because that's important to their well-being and balance and things of that nature. Also get to the point of making sure they are safe. You know, Maslow Harkin-Needs says that students are not going to prosper if food, shelter, and safety is not taken care of. And sometimes the students don't do well because those three things are not being handled. And so providing those resources through our GSU food pantry that uh, I created on campus um, and also different things through our GSU for You program through the Office of Dean of Students and just the Counseling Wellness Center at large to really support the psychosocial development and address the food and housing insecurities of those students. And lastly, allow them to take the narrative of what they want to do. Yes, I take heed to what they say, but then I allow them to develop the programs and activities and do different things they want. They really feel vested in the opportunity because they're connected and they created the experience and also connected to their peers, back to your point about peer mentorship, depending on their classifications, working with someone who's the same age or within a class or two above them to show the ropes, as well as allow them to begin to work with others to give back to the community also. Yeah, we are talking to Dr. Robert Clay, and we are talking about having a sense of belonging in college and how there's a direct correlation between having a sense of belonging and academic success. And it's, it goes really beyond academic success, right? Making those connections. What you were talking, we were talking about what role can faculty play? And I think you really laid out a really good guide for us. But one of the things that I also do is mm -hmm. I walk the students to all of the- You, all you have to. You know, GSU is a big hamster cage, so you got to walk them everywhere because you get yeah, lost in yeah. those A, B, C, and Ds and E. <laughs> right. Know. If you say go to the beam <laughs> on the second floor, of course right. you have to, to walk right. them. I needed a guy. <laughs> but I think because a lot of times they will blow you off, right? You say, this will be really good for you. Why don't you go to the library? Why don't you go to the queue? Why don't you go see Dr. Clay? You mention all of these resources and they never go. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I want to add on to that is walk them, hold their hand and actually walk them to these locations. I know you all helped me with a young lady who was struggling. She was a single mom. She was mm -hmm. homeless. And her first day of class, she was sitting in class and she stayed back and she was sobbing. And I had to wrap my arms around her and what's wrong. And she said, I've burned all my bridges. I'm going to college. I'm returning to college to prove to them that I can do something with my life. She said, but I don't know what to do. She said, I will leave here and go live in my car. Mm. And it's like, well, let me walk you, <laughs> you know, that's not going to happen. 
let me walk you to meet some folks like Dr. Clay and Dr. Corey. Mm-hmm. And so we got her a job at the university and she got the aid that she needed. Mm-hmm. She had a dorm if she wanted it. She was able to get food and she's thriving. Mm-hmm. You know, so it really, when we talk about it takes a village. It, it absolutely really takes a village. Does. And GSU is a good village. It is a good village. It really does take a village. Absolutely. Absolutely. GSU has, it has grown. It now has beautiful dorms, but yet it's still very much a commuter college. Oh, yeah. How do you engage commuter students who go to school, but they work off campus? They live off campus. What are some particular challenges you have seen in engaging students who commute? Well, the biggest challenge with students who commute, they have other obligations. They're going like, I think they're like Dr. Joy. They had to go to school, they had to go back home and go to work or had other obligations. And so what we found the best way to engage with commuter student is really just provide resources to them in regards to what is happening on campus. We, at one point we were providing, because some of the community students had childcare issues, so we provided opportunities to connect and have babysitters for them, as well as to support them by providing lounge space for them to just chill out. We have the Jaguar Den up by my area in the second floor, the A building, to be a relaxing space where they can do their homework, or they can just watch TV, eat, and things of that nature, and just find a way to make them feel home. Again, a lot of those students do congregate in the cafeteria as well, and ensuring that they can build those connections through other peers also. And we also acknowledge them by doing adult learning community student weeks in the fall. And we'll do different programming for them to show our appreciation for them and understanding that all that they do and they sacrifice to fulfill their education. And we want to support their promise of getting that degree. And so we do programming for them multiple times throughout the fall semester for them. And we're really looking to expand and moving forward. Actually, my staff and I, we have a retreat coming up. And we're going to look at ways to really expand our programming for adult learners and community students to ensure they feel connected also. And then another piece we've done too, particularly different initiatives that have a mentoring component, we've allowed some community students, particularly those who may have transferred from a community college to Governor State, really build connection with students at Governor State by connecting them and making them mentors to each other. And so that has helped bridge that gap in regards to making them feel belonged and connected to the university also. So you received your degree through INLD, Interdisciplinary Leadership. Um, and was your, fo- your focus was higher education. Yes. Talk about your experience in INLD and how this program affected your approach to solutions. Well, it had been almost 15 years since I had been in school in the classroom. And so when I got into the program, it was, I will be honest, overwhelming. I started the program nervous about getting into the classroom. Then a month into the program, my brother was murdered. And I was like, oh my God, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. Take me now. I'm done too. However, through faculties such as Dr. Marlon Cummings, Dr. Jane Hudak, and so many others in the program really supported and provide the insight on how to push through your pain and ensure you're able to accomplish what you desire. I think the INLD program really propelled me to be a better scholar practitioner in higher education through the ways we're able to learn about integrated leadership styles and ways of doing and being that spoke to who we are as leaders. I love the fact they allowed us to identify our own leadership style, but also use that 
in our work to ensure that we were able to talk about scholarship or create scholarship that has not been discussed before. My focus of, of my capstone when I graduated was factors that influenced the persistence and graduation rates of black males and minority serving institutions. And since that time, I have been in conversations and spoke to and presented to other MSIs, minority serving institutions, about the experience of black students because be it they are a minority serving institution now, there's still tenets of the historical systemic whiteness EWI. And so that program, the INOD program, prepared me for that and allowed me to create my experience but also to do more research on various topics so I can create holistic solutions around various things. I see myself using different things I've learned through different courses. I also appreciated the INDLD program for the cohort model because it helped us create a sense of family and community. When someone was struggling in the program, we supported them. When someone was achieving in the program, we celebrated them. We pushed each other, we challenged each other, fed each other, we cried together. And so still to this day, even folks who did not finish the program, we still talk to encourage them to pursue and finish their degree as well. So I had a great experience. I even taught in the program also. So, hey, I'm excited about that, being an adjunct faculty in INLD. So it's, it was a great experience. And I definitely believe through the cohort model, as well as the opportunity to engage with peers in different cohorts, provide an opportunity to create a more holistic approach to resolving matters and creating solutions. So do you think it was value added that you also had a mixture of individuals pursuing not-for-profit and also those prospects for being superintendents? Yeah, I do because I was able to glean from them and being a pseudo-entrepreneur, I haven't went full throttle yet, but I did learn some things from my peers um, through that program and, and some of the faculty members who taught in those other areas. I also felt we were able to work together on different initiatives and provide our insights from a higher ed lens, social entrepreneur lens, superintendent lens that really support. And at the time we had the uh, police. The public yeah. safety. Yeah. Public safety, thank you. We had that track as well. And we really learned a lot because of the social engagement and the way we were connected through the different majors within the program. At one point, I thought I wanted to change my major. <laughs> you know, my focus too entrepreneurship that's something I, and, uh, I want to do nonprofit, but then I stuck to higher ed and because of the experience and the connections, I'm able to lean on those folks in different areas to support any aspirations yeah. I have. And we're glad that you stuck to higher ed. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> on our show, we like to celebrate successes, but we don't want to shy away from issues or problems because we want to highlight how we can solve those problems. We want to bring solutions to the table. If we provide access to the university, we should provide opportunities for success. Absolutely. So how do we miss the mark sometimes in our efforts to be inclusive and provide those opportunities for success? I think sometimes we miss the mark by not really seeing who's one enrolled at the institution and what they represent, but also we sometimes miss the mark by not inviting the right people at the table who makes the decisions. I think we do good with intentionality, but sometimes we forget about the impact of the decisions we make because we weren't reflective as reflective or didn't think about something because we didn't have that voice represented. And I think uh, we continue to improve in that area. I don't think it's nothing that folks are doing maliciously not to include others, but I think we have to have a charge where those of us in leadership positions 
have that eye and making sure we ensure that look around the table, seeing who's there, what department they represent, what students they represent, what major or profession they represent. Also looking at even as we enroll students, what their background is and how we can build those relationships prior to them even enrolling Governor State to ensure they feel included. We are now at a place where diversity, equity, inclusion is something that's paramount, particularly through this era of social unrest and the pandemic and anxiety, self-care, mental health, and all that good stuff. And it's imperative that we utilize a diversity, equity, inclusion efforts to really be inclusive of all, but also making sure that we are creating a holistic experience for everybody. Now, are we going to miss the mark sometimes? Absolutely. And are we going to not create things that really speak to everyone? Yes, but at the same time, look at opportunities to reframe what we do and rewrite the opportunity to include those differences and folks who have different experiences, but also contribute and have their voices heard and really create a new experience and change the experience of students as well as faculty staff too in their recruitment and retention, their promotion also at the university as well. Talk to us about what are some of the goals that you have had as the executive director of student engagement? And what are some of the things that you need to make these goals happen? One of the goals is to really ensure that students are well aware of the resources on campus. We have different units within one larger department. We have our civic engagement, intercultural education that focuses on diversity programming and service learning opportunities through community service, as well as over our food pantry. We have our campus program submissions, which advises our student activities council, as well as through our programs such as Welcome Week, Homecoming, Spring Fest, you name it, they do it. Then we also have our clubs and organizations that manage the different 80 plus clubs and organizations we have on campus, as well as provide support to those advisors. But also we're now looking to do Greek life expansion to bring Greek life to the campus community as well. And then we also have our leadership programs with, that facilitate different programs such as our service and leadership seminar, our Shiro Women's Leadership Conference, our Male Leadership Summit, so on and so forth. And so, yes, we have all those great opportunities, but one of the biggest struggles we have, the resource that we need, is finding different ways of communication. Because students, and they tell me, Dr. Clay, I love you, I love your area. But all these emails, not just from us, but just the campus Why is kind of overwhelming. And so trying to figure out different ways to get information to students. Some things we have done during the remote learning and remote working season during the pandemic, and we've relied more on social media, which has been a great help. And we've relied more on texting students who we have that relationship who want to get information that way because all students are gone. Send information to them that way. And we've also started allowing building more ambassadors. So champions of information sharing folks, I guess we'll call them the town crier or sometimes folks call a promoter who really speaks to the work that you do. Our goal is to ensure that students can either have the experience they desire or create a new one. And we do that through the different programs we offer. And our goal is to continue to improve, also to remain current and relevant, institute best practices, and also ensuring that we are aware of what's happening by continuing to participate in professor development opportunities through NASPA, ACPA, and other organizations that are connected to our field. Our goal is to just making sure we are in touch with the students and making sure we're able to connect. One of the things we did real quickly because of the new remote learning, because March 23rd, 2020, I remember like it was clear as day. We were like, what are we going to do? Because nobody never did anything virtual. And so 
Later that semester, we did a survey uh, through Institute's research on engagement, asking students what they want, how they're feeling, what's going on. And really that helped us out and remaining afloat during this time to make sure the students were still connected and clubs and organizations were able to do what they were doing and, and stuff. And so it was, it, was, it was pretty good. And so things like that really helps us stay informed and connected and achieve our goals. You've mentioned the pandemic a few times and perhaps by the time this airs, it will have been a thing of the past, but I don't think it's something that can be forgotten. Absolutely and I think not. if we don't learn something from the last year and a half, then who are we as individuals and as an institution? So I want to ask, how has that last year and a half, you've talked about remote learning, you've talked about some changes that you've made. How has this changed you and your life? It's been very sweet. I mean, I'll be honest with you. It has allowed me to recognize where I see myself professionally. I thought I was going on one trajectory, but the pandemic may reflect on, do I really want to do this work? Am I committed to this cause? Am I wanting to stay in this profession? And then it also opened doors to learning more about skills and talents that you didn't realize that you had or you didn't hone in on because you're so busy doing the day-to-day prior to the pandemic. For me, I've learned that I'm a really great cook. I've started catering events for friends and family, nothing major, wow. but mm-hmm. I have enjoyed doing that. I have gotten back into my music. I have, I have put on a back burner for so long. And so I've taken more involved with that. I have gotten more involved with uh, my spiritual faith development, which really times like this makes you really get close to God, whatever, whomever that may be to you, and really heighten my involvement in my church. And so I think, and it also made me realize what we may be missing in regards to engagement at Governor State University, because moving forward, it won't be just a virtual experience or an in-person experience, it'll be a both-and experience. And I think that's something that's going to help us in the end, uh, going back to your point about commuter students and students who are adult learners, having things on demand for them and and accessible electronic through the internet or on our websites or social media pages really help them build those connections they engaged as well. And so as stated earlier, the pandemic has been bittersweet, but the lessons learned and the opportunities from it has been amazing. And I implore everybody to take some time, reflect and build upon it to really navigate how they want to move forward in their own lives, personally and professionally. I, I had some other questions for you. We have <laughs> to have another session with you. In the oh, future. no, I'm open to it. I'm honored. I, I've enjoyed it. And anything I can do to support the college education, I'm an alum, INLD. And so I, I love it. And, and, and I do appreciate the opportunity and the willingness to receive. A lot of times when working with faculty, there's sometimes a pushback and exchange of information. And then the student affairs versus academic affairs. And, you know, I believe these podcasts really create an opportunity to bridge that gap, build further connections and opportunities to really make sure our students are successful because it's not about us, it's about them. And, and I really like how you've taken your own advice and you talked about how you're better mm-hmm. as a result of this pandemic. We mm-hmm. can talk about a lot of negative things, but how are you better? So it sounds right. like you've really taken this opportunity to reflect to make a better you. And in making a better you, you can do better at your student engagement. So you're really taking your own advice. I know I've gotten a lot out of this conversation. I'm definitely going to be a better administrator. I'm going to be a better faculty. You're going to see more students. And I don't know how you feel about 
the one-on-one -on -one when I send you students and you've never turned me away and you've always made the space and the time to reach out to that individual student. And you're making it easy for us to get involved. So I know it's a lot of emails and across the country, you know, faculty have so many responsibilities and yeah. so many emails. They can't spread themselves so thin, but you make it easy where you have a variety of ways that we can get involved. Well, thank you for that. That's the, that's the goal. We're all family. Like you said, we're part of the village. And I'm glad I'm in the same village as you are. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's been great talking to you, Dr. Robert Clay, about belonging, about our experiences at Governor State University and how to make them better. So yes. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. And any I do, let me know. This was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Teaching and Learning Theory versus Practice with Dr. Amy Viaclia and Dr. Joy Patterson. We hope that you have been inspired by this conversation and will join us again as we talk about trends in education and perspectives on teaching. We welcome your comments and feedback. What conversations are you interested in hearing? We'll leave it up to you, our listeners. Did theory or practice win the match? I think it was theory probably this time. Uh, practice. Until next time, we're Dr. Amy and Dr. Joy.